And as you're having a seat, I want to say welcome to you this morning. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad that you can join us, whether you're joining me live in screen one, if you're over in screen two, good morning, or if you're joining us online, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, next week is Easter Sunday, uh, where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Um, welcome, uh, we want to invite you back. Hope you guys can make it as we celebrate together also a great time to invite friends and family. People are open to checking out churches on Easter Sunday. And so if you know somebody um, in your life who, uh, who might benefit from this, uh, I pray that you would uh, have the courage and ask them and invite them to church next Sunday as we celebrate Easter. Um, we are kicking off a series this week called Jesus is Greater, and we're talking about the supremacy of Christ in the book of Hebrews. Now that is a, is a cool title. Uh, what does it mean? It means that over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about how Jesus is supreme. He is greater than anything else that we will ever see. There is nothing and no one higher than Jesus in all of the earth, and we're going to see that in the book of Hebrews. Now, um, for those of you who may not know, uh, the Bible is actually not one book, but 66 books. It's a library. So when people say, I have a hard time reading the Bible, I would say, that's true, because it is hard to read a library, okay? So there's 66 books, but we encourage people to read them. One of the books, towards the back, in your last probably quarter of your Bible or so, is a book called Hebrews. Um, now, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was uh, originally written to what we believe is a, is a uh, audience of Jewish Christians, or at least Christians who were versed in the Hebrew scriptures. Okay, so Hebrew scriptures being the Old Testament. So if you look in your Bible, you have the first two-thirds of your Bible is what's called the Old Testament. It is the Hebrew scriptures. All of it is filled with pointing to Jesus. Okay, so the first two-thirds of your Bible is all about ramping up and pointing to Jesus. And then in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the person of of Jesus, and then everything else reflects back on Jesus, okay? So Jesus is the subject of the library, okay? Jesus is the subject of the library, and Hebrews was written to a people that would have had a knowledge about maybe even Jewish Christians. Now, we're not 100% sure who uh, the, the author of Hebrews is, other than it is inspired by God, and it's useful and profitable to us. We don't know the, the human author being the, the one who penned the words, but we do know that the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired the writings of the Hebrews. Now, um, uh, Hebrews also, uh, uh, what we're going to see is that, that it assumes that there's persecution happening, that there's people under pressure. Um, and so Hebrews offers both warnings um, and encouragements in the face of trial. And today we're going to see um, in this Jesus is Greater uh, series that Jesus is greater. He's the greater revelation. He's the greater revelation. Um, and and what I, we'll get into what I mean uh, by that. But, but the big idea today is this. We know God because we know Jesus. Okay? We know God because we know Jesus. We know God. God is knowable and he's knowable because we know Jesus. There's this constant nagging question that we have as human beings. And it plays itself out like this. What is God like? 
What's God like? You ever sit and wonder, like, I wonder what God is like? You ever have friends, uh, maybe you're sitting around a campfire, and uh, they're like, man, I just wonder, I wonder what God is like. I wonder what God is like. And you'll see a variety of thoughts and philosophies out there. People will talk about when, when culture clashes with the things of God, people go, some people will say, no, I think God's okay with this. Oh, you do? Yeah, I think he's cool with it. Okay. How do you know? Well, I, I just feel like he would. I have a feeling that, that God would be cool with this. Because I know that God doesn't want me to be happy, right? Because God's ultimate goal is to make me happy, right? Are you sure about that? Well, no, well I, I mean, I, I, I had, okay, so I took the intro to philosophy in college. And so I have this idea, right? I got this idea. I got, I, I got this intuition. I have opinions. I've, I've had limited information. And, and I think that God is like this, or I think that God would be cool with this. And I would ask you this, if there was a way to know what God was like, would you want to know? If there was a way to know what God is like, would you want to know? And, and you don't have to answer that question. I'm going to answer it for you. There is, you do want to know, and I'm going to tell you that's why you're here today. You may not know why you were here today. You're like, I don't know if I want to know that. Well, for the next little while, you're going to find out what God is like, and that's pretty amazing. And so as we're going to see today that God is both knowable and has defined himself. God has a personhood, okay? God has values. God has boundaries. There are things that make God happy. There are things that make God angry. He's got characteristics about himself. And God has always been communicating with his creation and his people. And his greatest revelation of himself was himself, Jesus came, he's God in the flesh. He came, and we're going to see uh, about that today. And so we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to start in chapter 1, right away in verse 1. So if you have a Bible, you can go there. The words are also going to be up there. Um, but Hebrews 1, and we're going to start in 1 and 2, and this is this. God wants to be known. Think about that for a second. God wants to be known. And I think that's amazing. Verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke. That is incredible. God interacts with his creation. God wants to be known by his creation, and so he speaks. In fact, his words itself spoke creation into existence, and he has spoken to us in many times in many ways. Let's just dwell on that for a second. Let that sink deep into your soul. God spoke in many times in many ways. One of the ways that he did that is through the prophets. The prophets. The, the prophets were people chosen by God to communicate to the world. They would speak to the prophet, and the prophet was God's mouthpiece. And he would go out and he would tell people the words and oracles of God. The prophet's job was to proclaim it accurately. 
and truthfully, even when it was unpleasant. There's, there's a bunch of prophets within the Old Testament. Uh, one we see is Moses. Moses would go up onto a mountain, Mount Sinai, and, and get the messages from God. He'd get the Ten Commandments and other things, and he, his job was to bring it back to the people. And there's a, there's a bunch of books in the Bible, right, the library that is the Bible. There's a bunch of books that bear the name of the prophet that God spoke through. So we have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. We have other, like, there's prophets throughout the, in many places, in many ways, God spoke. And he did so through the prophets. And the prophets were responsible for proclaiming God's word. They were to it was both foretelling and forthtelling. Okay, foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling meaning like they would predict the future. They would say things that were going to happen in the future. When we think about prophets and we think about prophecies, right? Prophecies come from prophets, right? Like they, they, they have these things that go out and we go, okay, so we see really amazing prophecies, like Isaiah 53, like it's foretelling about Jesus. Or, or you hear about these things, like it was foretelling about Jesus. There was a number of different things that we would see things in the future. But their job also was to foretell. They were to bring to account, they were to shed light on what was happening in the world, what was happening in the hearts of people, what was happening, what was going on, and how to respond and the warnings and the encouragements of what would happen if we responded leaning towards God in repentance or turning away from God in our own self-righteousness? And so they would foretell. They would say, I know what's happening. I know of the injustices of the world. I know what's happening, what's going on. And if you don't turn away from your wicked ways, God will bring judgment upon you because, once again, God's a personhood, has characteristics, has values. And he says, what you're doing is out of line with God's character. It's hurting people it's destroying his good creation. And there's consequences for those actions. So in many places, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to us through the prophets. He says, but in these last days, these last days meaning everything from the birth of Jesus to today, look, in these last days, God spoke to us through his son, God spoke to us through his son, Jesus. God spoke to us through his son, Jesus. He's the heir of all things. The whole earth and nations belong to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. The earth is his footstool, says in Psalm 110. He's got rule and reign we see in Isaiah 9. And, and, and we're going to see these different things that Jesus is God. And the role of the prophet was to communicate to us and then God shows up in person, goes himself in the form of Jesus. And Jesus, the world was created through Jesus. Jesus is the, is the divine instrument by creation happening. We see that in John 1, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And all things were created through him. Nothing that was made was not made through him. He, he created all things. And God wants to be known. God wants to be known by his creation. God wants to be known. 
Because when we know God, we are changed and molded and shaped into the characteristics of God. We become, we have Christ-like characteristics as we continue to behold God. When God communicates to us, it shapes us and molds us. We become aware of our broken humanity and our need for a savior. God communicates to us in many places and times through the prophets. And now he himself has shown up on the earth, God in the flesh. That's incredible. That's amazing that God would show up in the flesh. God has always wanted to interact with his creation and his people. One of the most beautiful uh, passages and sections of scripture is in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And in Genesis 1 and 2, it shows how God created the earth. And then it says he walked with his creation. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. He says he would walk with them in the garden. God would interact with us by walking with us in the cool of the day. Can you just picture that? Like this like beautiful, sunny afternoon, and as the sun goes down, Jesus shows up, walks with us in the cool of the day. That's how God interacts with his creation. God, take comfort in that today, that God wants to be known. God wants to be known amongst all of the nations, amongst all of the people, to all of his creation. God wants to be known. And he communicated at first by sending his messengers, the prophets, and then he came himself. Jesus, God, in the flesh. So God wants to be known and God has made himself known. Verses three and four. He, being Jesus, the son, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs." He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe. He purified for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He has become, he is superior to angels and his name is more excellent than theirs. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. When we think about radiate, right, it means to emit, to send out. What does Jesus send out? What does he emit? He emits the the glory of God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. The beauty, the majesty, the the, the characteristics, he is, he radiates the brilliance of the glory of God. God shines through Jesus, It says he's the exact imprint of his nature. He's the exact imprint of his nature. When I was studying for for this message this week, the words exact imprint stuck out to me. So I geeked out a little bit and uh, did some word study because the original language of the book of Hebrews is Greek, which is kind of interesting, right? It's Hebrews, but Greek. Um, But the original language is is Greek. And, and, And so I studied, what does the word exact imprint, what are those words? And it's actually one word. One word means the, the two, exact imprint. The Greek word is character, okay? 
character. And, and, and he's the exact imprint. He's the character. He's, he's the stamp. He's the engraving. So if you're in this room and you're a bit older, okay, or more mature, let's go with that, okay? You're, you're a more mature, seasoned adult, okay? So if you're a seasoned adult in here or you're a millennial, you may have heard of a typewriter, okay? So one of, one of the two groups, if you're a little bit seasoned or you're millennial, you get a typewriter. People on typewriters, right? We got a lot of nodding in the heads. Yeah, I got one. I got it on Amazon. It's really great. It's over here, um, right? Um, so, so when you think of a typewriter, okay? So typewriters have keys and they, they activate, they lever a piece of metal and on the piece of metal is the engraving or the, the, the you know, the, the, I don't know what the, not engraving, sticking out part, you know, the metal character, um, and it goes against the ink ribbon and it puts a stamp on the paper. That's how typewriters work. And so if I was to push the, uh, go over here, W, and it slammed forward that piece of metal that had the W on it, it would give an exact imprint of the letter that I pushed, right? Does that make sense? Push here, that happens there. Jesus is the exact imprint of God. So when God pushed and sent Jesus to earth, exact imprint of God. Does that make sense? He's the exact imprint. We know God because we know Jesus, right? We, we know this. We, we, we know what God is like. He's, he's not just an agent of God. Jesus is God. He is powerful to uphold the universe. He's, he's the brilliant glory radiating and emanating the glory of God because he's God in the flesh. He's the, he's, uh, we see in the, in the Godhead, so God exists, and God exists as one God, yet three persons within the Godhead. And you're like, how does that work? And I'm like, I'm not 100% sure. I do know that that is what is true. My little brain just hasn't figured it out yet. Like, I know the internet works, I just don't know how it all works. I know that cars work, I just don't know how they work. God is triune. He's, he's three persons, distinct, yet one God. And we see Father, the, the Father is the Father of all things and, and the sustainer of all, right? And we have the Son, who's Jesus, and then we have the Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one God. The Father of all things, the Son, the imprint of God, and the sacrifice, the Holy Spirit, our guide and empowerment. Jesus was the agent of creation in the beginning. God's always existed like this, by the way. He didn't, Jesus didn't come on earth and go, okay, no, God's triune. God was triune in Genesis 1-1 when he said, let us make God, man in our image. So God's always been triune, and now the son comes down into humanity. He's God in the flesh, and it says something amazing here. It says he, put, uh, he made purification for sin. Verse three, after making purification for sin. How did he make purification for sin? How did, he, how did he purify what was dirty? Through the cross. You see, Jesus is God in the flesh. He came to this earth. He lived the life that we could not live. He was pure in mode of thought, word, and deed. He was pure all the way through, lived this life perfectly, and then died on the cross. Why would a perfect man die on the cross if he had done nothing wrong? It was a form of execution. 
okay? The cross is a form of execution. He, you have to be sent there on purpose. And mankind did that, but Jesus also at the same time was laying down his life willingly for us. And he went to the cross and he died for us. Jesus died for us. That's what we're gonna be talking about on Friday this week, right? We're commemorating that Jesus died on the cross. He died for us. The cross of Jesus Christ is not just an example, okay? Like the cross accomplished something. Some people wanna say, well, Jesus went to the cross, but it was mostly just to give us an example of self-sacrifice. Nope. You wanna talk about self-sacrifice and serving other people? He washed people's feet. When he went to the cross, he did something. He paid for our sin. And you're like, how can he pay for, how can one man go to the cross and pay for everybody's sin? One, he was fully man, so he was the perfect substitute. Two, he was fully God, so he is of infinite worth. His life is more powerful than ours. His life is superior to ours. His life and the giving of his life covers all of our sins, all of us who put our trust in him. And he didn't just die, he rose from the dead to show that he had conquered sin, that he had made purification for sin. It was finished. And so he goes up and he ascends into the right hand of the throne of majesty. The right hand was a place, is a place of honor. So he sits at the right hand of the Father and he sits down. His work is done. He made purifications for sin. His death, burial, and resurrection accomplished the payment of our sins. And it says that he has this name, right? He has this name that is above every name and it's superior to that of angels. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is more superior of angels and if you asked an angel, they would tell you that. Like they're not like, they don't have low self-esteem because Jesus is better than them. Okay? We hear the word superior and we're like, ooh, ooh. But it's true, he's superior because no one's done what Jesus has done. No one's died for your sins besides Jesus. No one willingly gave up their life so that you could have freedom and adoption into the family of God. No one's done that besides Jesus. There's no hope outside of Jesus. And the angels worship him. Listen, angels are amazing, right? When angels show up on the earth, often what happens is the first words out of their mouth is don't be afraid. If you read about angels, it's great. And he showed up to, you know, he showed up this, and don't be afraid, and don't be afraid, fear not. Because you see an angel, they're a, they're, a, they're a heavenly being. When they show up, it's terrifying. And they're messengers of God. The angels showed up when Jesus was born. The angels show up in different places. But they say, don't be afraid. Angels are incredible. The prophets were really profound. Like it was, it, it's really amazing. Like reading the prophets and understanding that it points to Jesus is so, so enriching to our souls. The prophets had a special spot in the world. Angels in the universe, like we have all these things, but the greatest revelation, the greater revelation is Jesus. 
And so people can have visions and dreams and see things and hear things and do, and we go, that's all, okay, that's good, but Jesus is the greater revelation. We know God because we know Jesus. We know God because we know Jesus, because Jesus is God. He's the exact imprint. And so whenever you read about Jesus, whenever you sing about Jesus, whenever you see these things about Jesus, you go, this is our God. So there's four biographies of Jesus' earthly ministry in the library that is the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They bear the names of their authors. And when you read about Jesus, go, this is God. So when Jesus interacts with people, when Jesus sees people, when Jesus heals people, when Jesus preaches, when Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, think about this. This is our God. When Jesus gave himself up for us, when Jesus Jesus walks with his people, this is our God. He's the exact imprints, the radiance of glory, the superior to angels, the greatest revelation of himself is himself. He lived righteously, full of grace and truth, humble, compassionate, furious at the sin of mankind as it destroys people and his good creation, yet at the same time, merciful and going to the cross in our place. Died the death we deserve so that we can be reconciled to him and adopted into the family of God and the Father. Welcomed those who put their lives in his hands with joy and celebration. Think about that. When Jesus says, when one sinner repents, that means when one person turns from their ways and turns to God, he says, There's more rejoicing in heaven. There's rejoicing in heaven and there's rejoicing in heaven in front of the angels. Who's in front of the angels? God is. So when people turn to Jesus, God celebrates. God celebrates. And when, we, when that day comes, should Jesus return or before we die or we die and we see Jesus face to face, he's not going to be like, well, we had to let you in. You found the loophole. After you made the decisions, we updated the terms and conditions. No, that's not our God. Our God is the father who had two sons. And when one of them walked far from him, when he came to his senses and he started coming home and just wanted to be a servant, it says while he was still far off, the father saw him and ran to him. That's our God. Our God is the God who runs to us. How do we know that? Jesus said so. How can we cherish Jesus? He's the exact imprint. He is God in the flesh. And so what Jesus says about the Father, what Jesus says about heaven, and what Jesus says about life, and what Jesus says about sin, and what Jesus says about all these things is true. He is the greatest revelation of anything in the history of the world, and he welcomes those with celebration. This is our God. This is our God. We know him. We know God because we know Jesus. One of his disciples one time says, Show us the Father. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so in a few moments, we're gonna head into a time of communion. Communion is something that the church regularly practices because Jesus told us to. 
And Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, the, the night before he goes to the cross, he sits down with his disciples and he gives them a symbol and something to remember him by, as well as communicate to people what God is like. What's God like? He's the rescuer of souls. He's the rescuer of souls. And when we have communion, it's where you get the word community or you know, commune, like to be together. To be together. When we take communion, we communicate to each other that we're in this together. We were all in the need of the mercy and grace of God. Okay? So when you take communion, number one, you understand that like we come to realizations that we are not perfect and we needed a savior. Number two, everyone else around you who's a follower of Jesus recognizes the same thing. That should humble us. And that should give us compassion for the people around us. And we commune with God. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, given our lives to him, he has given us his spirit which dwells within each and every one of us. The third person of the Trinity dwells within us and is communing with us in our midst. And so communion is this beautiful thing. And it's something that should give us great encouragement. And at times, if I'm honest, it makes me a little bit homesick. Because I long for the day that we'll all sit at the table together face to face. But until that day comes, he's given us this beautiful opportunity to commune with one another and commune with our God. This is our God. We know God because we know Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are God. You are God. And we pray, I pray today that we would all see that, that you are God. I pray that our minds and our hearts would explode with praise as we exalt your beautiful and glorious name. God, this truth has changed billions of people's lives throughout the history of the world. And today, God, I pray it would change us again. You are the exact imprint. We know exactly what you are like. And God, I pray today that you would make yourself known to all of us and to those of people in here today or watching online or over in screen two that don't know you yet and they've wondered what's God like. God, I pray that through this scripture today and through your spirit, you would meet them and encounter them today and that our hearts and minds would be opened and that we would exalt your name after getting a hold of this beautiful truth. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.